Hello and welcome to the Driving You Crazy podcast. I am your host, the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And I'm Denver 7's own pedestrian advocate, Joseph Peters. Uh, too many uh, buses in the bike lane. What? Too, buses in the bike lane? Too many buses in the bike lane. Oh, no. People in this city, I mean, bus drivers have clearly been given a directive. If you see a bus lane or a bike lane, it's extra parking. Oh, okay, good. I didn't think the bus is parked in the bus bike lane. And I thought you were a pedestrian advocate and not a bike advocate. I am not a bike advocate, but I am an advocate of getting cars the heck out of bike lanes. Oh, okay. So. Well, we did cover that, and I've uh, also seen that on Twitter. There's actually a group of people around town that take pictures specifically of cars or delivery trucks or or whatever, the or whatnots. Uh, parked <laughs> <Knick-knack>. <laughs> in bike lanes, and uh, then they, they try to uh, public shame them. And it's especially prevalent around the web building where they have uh, city vehicles that might park in the bike lane, and then, then these people really go, go off the wall. But, I mean, you can see it pretty much anywhere in downtown Denver. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I... As you said, I'm not an advocate for public shaming, but at the same time, it's good to bring this stuff to light because it shouldn't be happening. I mean, these cars, sh- I mean, ticket them. Why aren't they getting tickets for this? It feels like this is a crime that always goes unpunished when somebody parks in the bike lane. I don't know. Maybe you could make a call later on today to the Division of Public Works and put in a formal complaint. <laughs> 311 dial 311 from your telephone. I have here Joseph. My favorite story of the week. It does not involve bike lanes. It has this headline, though. Man injured immediately after launching himself 1,800 feet into the air to prove the earth is flat. (laughs) Anything to prove a point, man. Mike Hughes, he plummeted back to the earth after reaching 1,875 feet above the Mojave Desert and was immediately rushed to the hospital. Mike survived the crash thanks to two parachutes that came out of the Liberty One rocket. His mission was to prove that the Earth was flat after declaring, I do not believe in science. He said, I do believe the Earth is shaped like a Frisbee. I believe it is. Do I know for sure? No. That's why I want to go up in space. So he was trying to get to orbit so he could orbit the Earth and see for himself. Right. Good for him. But speaking after his flight, he was more concerned about healing. He said, am I glad I did it? Yeah, I guess. I'll feel it in the morning. I won't be able to get out of bed. At least I can go home and have dinner and see my cats tonight. (laughs) Gravity wins again. That's the problem. The earth to him might be flat, but the one thing he forgot to count for was... Gravity! Yes and no. He's also just not very good at building rockets, right? Plenty of people have made it to space and (laughs) gotten into orbit, and he just, you know, didn't. Do you realize I I saw a uh, a newspaper article or something uh, uh, that a third of millennials believe the Earth is flat? It's a not third. That, it's not that they believe it's oh, flat. Oh, yes, they do. No, it's that they don't. Your people. It's that they don't know that the Earth is round. They're skeptical oh, is that about what it the is? Earth's roundness. I'm not sure water is wet, but I can't be sure it is dry either. There you go. I, I, I Look, I'm not in that third of millennials. I don't understand why. People always have to troll the polls, and this is another example. There's no way these kids actually believe the world is not round. There's no way. That's what I. That's what I see. Because because we have a space station orbiting the Earth right now, and you can actually log on to it and actually watch 
the Earth from the space station and see that it is round. But that could be CGI. But why would every other planet, celestial body, in space, be round, but the Earth be like a Frisbee? Why is the Earth the one thing in space that is not round? Liquid in space goes circular. Science. <laughs> Science. Thank you, Dr. Science. In my second favorite story of the week, Joseph, 26-year-old Kenesha Posey was in Fort Pierce, Florida, sitting in the passenger seat of a car that was pulled over by police. Police said there was a strong smell of marijuana coming from the vehicle, and when they searched her bag, cops found a bag of marijuana and a small bag of cocaine. Mm. This is where the story gets great. Kanisha readily admitted to owning the pot, but said that the coke wasn't hers. She said, quote, I don't know anything about the cocaine. It's a windy day. It must have flown through the window and into my purse. That's what she told police. The wind blew the bag of cocaine into her purse from the open window. Sure. Sure. Why not? It's pretty remarkable. It's an impressive gust of wind. I was hoping that maybe a gust of wind would blow a million dollars into my car. That has not happened as of yet. Not in, like, bills, but just, like, one check for a million dollars. Yes. That's good. Written out to cash. <laughs> uh, uh, please, uh, police obviously did not accept her unlikely version of events and took her un, uh, into custody and charged her with a felony count of cocaine possession and a misdemeanor count of marijuana possession. I just hope she gets to bring this case before a jury, because we need the science on whether <laughs> or not <laughs> how likely it is a tiny bag of cocaine can fly into an open car window. Now, if we can get the flat earth guy and the wind cocaine lady together, I think we have something. <laughs> Don't you think we have something? I, mean, I think we have something. something. Well, I attended the Denver Auto Show uh, this past weekend. Excellent. And uh, I, I looked around at all the new cars and the new trucks they had out there. It, it was fun seeing all the new uh, vehicles that they have in this gigantic carpeted room. I mean, it's a lot of carpet in there. Lots of carpet. What, uh, do they take all that carpet? Do they leave it? Do they bring it in for the show? Do they take it out? I mean, that's a lot of carpet in I've there. I've never thought of those. <laughs> that's that's my problem. Never once in my life. <laughs> I've thought about how much carpet is on the floor of the auto show. Now, my initial thought is that all the car makers, there were U.S. ones, foreign ones, all the usual suspects you might might think of, they, they basically all now are making the same car. They just have some very different styles and layouts with some of the equipment. Uh, there are some unique car makers. Fiat was, you know, Lamborghini. Uh, uh, Porsche had some unique ones, uh, but for the most part, the big ones, you know, the Fords and GM and Chrysler and VW, I mean, they, and all of them, they basically all have the same car and the crossovers, the sedans, they're all alike. They are all the same car. Look, yes. Everything's a variation on a Toyota Corolla, right? Right. Like it, it's either a bigger Toyota Corolla or a smaller Toyota Corolla or two doors or four doors, but it's basically the same thing, just in a different coating. We, uh, my wife and I, we, we are especially attuned to the crossover vehicles, since my wife is, she's getting sick of the Rogue, and she wanted to look at some other models. 
and she really wanted to look at the new Volvos. So we headed over there, and after looking at them, she she actually wasn't impressed with it. I wasn't impressed that it cost fifty thousand dollars for one of their crossover SUVs. <laughs> that was a little uh, bit of a sticker shock. It happens. Yes, but I was stunned that she didn't like. The Volvos, it, it, they were pretty nice inside, but they weren't as nice as some of the other cars. Um, and, and, uh, they, they come at that premium price. A lot of those vehicles all came at a premium price. There were a lot of the crossovers priced in that forty to $50,000 range. Right. My kids, they like the Acura crossover, mainly because it had this big, just giant screen that dropped down right from the ceiling of the car. And you could play DVDs or videos or whatever. That it was pretty cool. I mean, it was it was a like a sixteen by nine, a long, not just a, like one like a four by three screen. It was a pretty long, pretty big screen that would drop down. I, it almost looked like if I was driving, you, it would might even block part of the view to to see out the rear view window. It was so big. Okay, uh, it was pretty cool. But I don't let my kids watch video or movies or anything in the car anyway really unless we're really on a long if we're, if we're going on a big long road trip they can bring the our little uh a chromebook yep. and i have some movies on the on the disc there that they can they can watch mm-hmm. uh, but that's about it but otherwise i don't let them watch uh movies or the phone or anything in the car what's your benchmark for a long trip like anything more than an hour and they get the chromebook yeah probably like we when, when we're going on a road trip you know it it's okay. like we're, we're going to like goodland kansas they went to goodland kansas for the baton competition or we went to the sand dunes or not even going to colorado springs that's an hour drive they, they don't even get that's really i guess the limit there okay going down to colorado springs um because i i, I encourage them to look out the window good very few people are doing that, but I think that more people should look out the window. Because, one, it clears your head, it makes you figure out who you are, and you get to see stuff. Yes. Right? Enjoy the scenery, man. It's a beautiful state. Yes. And sometimes that's the only way you get to see it. Many of those crossovers, they have the third row of seat, I noticed, but, but, they're, but they're small when you try to get somebody back in there. And then you have, obviously, no trunk space. So you either have the third row with the people, or you have... A little bit of trunk space back there, um, and, and, but and many of the cars maybe seemed a little bit more narrow as well. Both the sedans and those crossovers. I don't know if it's an overall trend, if this is the future of cars or something. Uh, maybe they're just something they're doing right now. But it, it just seems like they're more narrow. Interesting. Okay. Um, I, I I did like some of the VW crossovers. My wife really liked the one small crossover from uh, Toyota. Uh, they call it the CHR. It, it was pretty cool. It was smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, it was priced at around $25,000. She liked the, uh, on the back doors, there's the latch was way up high right by the window to, mm-hmm. to go open up the back door. Okay. Um, but, it, but the trunk was way too small for what we would need to even just to, here, here was my benchmark for how big the trunk needs to be. I have these fold up chairs that we take to the soccer games or we take to the baseball games with the girls when they're yep, playing, yep, right? Yep. If I can fit the fold-up chairs in the back, in the trunk, 
then it's got enough space for them. You are lucky your children don't play hockey because those hockey bags have to fit into the trunk of your vehicle if you're going to be toting them around the state, and that takes up a ton of space. And if you had two little girls playing hockey right now, you'd be stacking them up in the trunk. You'd be talking about a whole lot more trunk space. Yeah, because the baton twirling deal, batons are a lot shorter than the hockey sticks. Yes. They're also a lot uh, uh, less heavy. It does feel like there's less equipment for a baton twirling competition than for a hockey game. Even though we have to bring all the outfits, so that's the big biggest deal is we have a wardrobe full of outfits for the girls. Is it literally like four costume changes per show? Uh, well, I think it's five or six now. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, they're really going after because they have all because they have teams, they have a duo, they have a trio, they have all kinds of stuff. Baton warriors. Yeah, you're not kidding. Um, we did that ter- Jeep. The Jeep has this uh, terrain track over there okay. where you get in, somebody else is driving, and then they drive you up this ramp and down the ramp and over these bumps and up the the blocks and it looks like you're going up and down stairs. Um, it was neat. Made me reminisce about my Wrangler that I used to drive around uh, that I took over Imogene Pass down near Telluride one time. Very well uh, done. Oh, it was great. Uh, we I had that before I had kids. I did it through Swap-A-Lease. Uh-huh. Where I actually leased it from a guy who was trying to get rid of it in Ohio. There was an incentive. It cost me, I picked up the lease, took it over for a year and a half. It was a $200 a month payment, um, but he paid me to, to get the payments down to that, that much, and, oh, it, and it covered the, the shipping, which was, I think, $700 to get it from Ohio to me. Okay. Um, and it was great. Loved it. It was fantastic. And all I did at the end of the lease is just take it over to the dealership, gave him the keys, and walked away. That's a beautiful thing, man. Not everybody gets that lucky when they t- get into a leased vehicle. I know. Uh, one of the funny parts of the day, though was when my oldest daughter, she was looking at the huge sign, the Fiat area, and, and right over there at the at the cars, I, I st- <laughs> she said, here we are, Dad, at the flat area. <laughs> and as I'm looking at her and I stop laughing, I can see why she said that, because the the I in Fiat, the way they had it outlined there on the wall, yep. it, it did look like F-L-A-T. And so I could see her not knowing that it's a Fiat, that it's a flat car. Right. right. <laughs> like, okay. Here we are at the flat cars. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. That's all right. Uh, I, it was um, interesting to see the AAA robot thing. They I had. saw videos of this AAA robot thing. I got a picture of me trying to tackle the robot deal. Did not go well. Uh, no, I think I could have taken him. Easily. You just get him in the ankles, get him in the knees, and down he goes. He'll remember that, though, and five years later, he's coming after you. Probably. Once the technology gets <laughs> It's going to be like that uh, the Star Wars scene where they wrap the cord around the what's it, the ton, the, not the, 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 I, I the, no the whatever. Idea. Yeah, because you never saw the movie. <laughs> anyway, uh, just like that. Uh, but I, but thanks to the Colorado Automobile Dealers Association for my uh, admission into the show. It was nice to see. It's it's good to see that every year and just see where the technology is. Headlights were interesting. All the different headlight combinations, all of them are now basically LEDs. Some are lines. Some are are a couple of different bulbs that are together in there. Yeah, well, and I think the auto shows really give you an opportunity to like actually see what's out there and compare a lot of different brands in one area as opposed to like the dealership experience. You only get your choice of like two or three of these right. models of vehicles. So you're talking about sedans and crossovers. You get to explore a much wider variety at an auto show, and you get to really compare each one. And so I, I go look at the Volvo, and then I'll look at the VW, and then I looked at the Chrysler, and then mm-hmm. I looked at the four. You just get to look at them all and get to know and remember it, right? Because I was just there four minutes ago, right? And so it's fresh in my mind. Well, and it's totally different from like having to go to one dealership and then going to a second dealership. I mean, you really probably have to go to three or four to see all the cars that you need to see, right? And 
and those memories aren't as fresh when you're trying to do that all in one day as opposed to seeing them all in a one-stop shop. And there was this aftermarket area at the show where you could get aftermarket stuff for your trucks. Usually it was mostly trucks. They had these trucks that were just lifted huge. Uh, I don't even know how you could get up into these, some of these trucks. And I was talking to this one company, and, and they're, they're called Blinker. And it's basically an app where you take a picture of your car, your license plate, and your car, and then you sell your car with that app. It's basically um, person-to-person buying of a car um, by using that app. And if you're looking for a car, you can easily search for the ones that are, are, are there. And if you needed financing, they provide the financing. That's how this company is, is making money because it's free to list. It's free to buy. Right. But they just make money on the financing. And the financing, I asked him what are the terms. And he said right now 3%. So that's pretty good favorable terms. It's not like it was 8% a little bit elevated or, or whatever the case may be to make more money. Remember, kids, seek out that 0% APR. <laughs> Always go with the 0% APR to you. But I'll, yeah, maybe we'll work on uh, hooking them up for an interview and, and get to talk to them because they're a local company. Right. Um, so it's, we like to feature those folks and uh, get to know about some of those new technology stuff. Uh, and speaking of that, one of the joys and one of the banes of every kid is riding the school bus. Yep. Right? The worst. I remember riding the bus. There were good times. There were bad times. It was the best of times. All of the kids on the... I, I loved the bus. It was an experience that I'll never forget, and I will leave it at that. My kids only ride maybe once a month. Otherwise, they're getting a ride with mommy in the morning, and then I pick them up in the afternoon. So they, they really don't get to ride that often. But now we have the first Uber for Kids ride service here in Denver. Uber for Kids. Controversial topic. Yes. Now, the service, they call it Hop, Skip, Drive. And it takes kids to and from school or their school activities, and they use drivers with child care experience and serious background checks. Now, it's a Los Angeles-based company that's just started this Uber for Kids service in the Denver area, but it's, there's a local person that's involved in the start of this company. Now, it's the first ride-sharing service prov- approved by the state regulators here to focus on unaccompanied minors. And unlike Uber and Lyft, the kid-friendly service goes beyond a minimal background check and only will work with drivers who have at least five years of child care experience are willing to get fingerprinted and a growing number of these kid focused ride services have really popped up nationwide although many haven't had expanded beyond their home states some have even gone out of business including shuttle which shut down back in 2016 they just weren't making any money mm-hmm. so this hop skip and drive they don't provide a car seats and it only carries passengers ages six and older Booster seats are available. Uh, Uber, which along with Lyft, doesn't accept passengers unless uh, under 18, unless they're with an adult. And this place does. So they don't have to have, so the kids don't have to have an adult with them. So all these stories that have been done about this company basically focus on like, oh, this is going to be really great for parents of kids 7 to 12. And I don't really think that's the target demographic here. I think you're really looking at like middle schoolers and early high schoolers where they actually have a lot of activities and things that are like at a higher stakes, so to speak. Um, But there, I mean, like in middle school, I was busy until like 5, 6 p.m. most days. And there were, if I had had the ability to get a ride from place to place instead of having to like walk... It probably, yeah. I probably would have been able to do a lot more. And some parents don't want to leave their kids in their aftercare or like at school. Uh, when I pick up my kids, there's a lot of kids that stay there for after school. Uh-huh. Um, and some of those kids could then get picked up 
taken home and just hang out at home like my nine-year-old, I think that's the legal age to stay by themselves. Oh, interesting. So, I mean, she's in third grade. So third grade, fourth grade kids could then, instead of just staying at aftercare, they could actually go home and be by themselves and be in a safer place or at least a more comfortable place until mommy and daddy get home. And then it's probably more comfortable for them as well. Right. Um, This hop, skip, and drive was started by three moms in L.A. about four years ago. One is, uh, it, it's really one of the better funded companies. They've raised $22 million from investors so far. A couple of San Francisco area competitors include Zoom. They have uh, raised about $27 million. And Kango, they partnered with Chrysler to get funding for their service. And this Denver uh, is, and Denver is Hop, Skip, and Drive's first city outside of California and they have more strict requirements than most of these services because all the interview, all the interviews of the drivers are done in person. They have to have that childcare experience. They're fingerprinted, and the service they monitor their uh, uniform drivers. They make them wear uniforms. Um, they text the parents through the ride so they know where the ki- so the parents know where the kids are at all times. And then the parents will get the driver's profile and picture ahead of time before they're they're picked up. Mm-hmm. And and it they also have this secret code that the drivers and the passengers use to identify one another, so it's not like these random people are just picking up your kits. It also requires eight hours advance notice to get approval from the schools before they can pick them up at school. So rides start at about 15 bucks, and that allows for carpools and multiple stops. The latest ride uh, uh, the latest ride can be scheduled at 7 o'clock, so the drivers and the kids aren't, aren't out too late. There's also another service similar to this. It's called Shepherd. And Shepherd is a service that describes itself as Uber meets the school bus. It was founded in Newtown, Massachusetts in 2017. It's limited right now to just that area. And it was funded in part by Land Rover. So Shepherd operates a fleet of Land Rover Discovery LR4s, complete with the yellow school bus signs, the flashing yellow lights, and it has five to 18-year-olds riding in leather seats and climate control and a smooth, comfortable, fun ride. And uh, the kiddies can also read while they ride. Parents book rides for their kids the day before to one of Shepherd's 70-plus area partner institutions, including schools and after-school sports programs and, and community centers. Now, that partner status means that Shepherd has, contact, uh, has contacts on site and that a Shepherd driver works out drop-off and pick-up instructions beforehand and won't leave a kid until they make it safely into the building or safely into the Land Rover. Well, I would hope that they wouldn't leave before the kid is in the Land Rover. You would think. Shepard charges a no-haggle $17 a ride per kid. The drivers are full-time employees. They wear uniforms. They wear badges. They must earn the same qualifications as traditional school bus drivers, and then they must pass a in-house exam, national background check, drug testing, interviews, and a driving test. And each driver must pass a breathalyzer test and check in by video every day before taking the wheel. Not just a one-time, like when we were hired here, a one-time drug test. It is a dr- it is a, uh, a breathalyzer test every single time. The Land Rovers get inspected before and after every shift, and I'm not sure how uh, big of a market this type of service will become, but I wouldn't be surprised to see more services like this in the future because as more and more parents, because of like the cost of owning a home here, it's almost getting to the point where you can't own a home here without you have two people working. 
Well, I mean, this is almost pure profit too, right? If you're charging $30 an hour and you're only going from point A to point B, you only have to pay a driver and gas. I mean, it's just a ton of money coming in and you only need a few people to ride to really start to make your money back. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I think so many of these places are doing this. Uh, And obviously it's helping out the parents and the the kiddos Mm -hmm. get to maybe more stuff. Well, coming up, can anything be done about the surge in slow pokes in the left lane they're driving people crazy all that and so much more as the driving you crazy podcast continues what's driving you crazy the mailbag is next My favorite part is watching the interaction between everyone because I think you guys have a fantastic sense of humor and I think you just jive really well because if you're sitting at home, I'm in my PJs and in my coffee and I want to look up and I want to see these people who I feel like I know on the morning show and they're just talking to me and they're having a great time and they're also telling me what I need to know to be prepared for my day and what I need to know in my community. Connor Wist, only on Denver 7. I, I don't get to see the morning show. I get to hear it. And I think between you and Lisa uh, bantering back and forth, that's actually pretty funny in the morning. Uh, some of Mitch's dry sense of humor that he throws out there, that's pretty comical also. Daryl Orr, only on Denver 7. Welcome back to the one, the only, the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. We are always fun, and we are always full of surprises. Today's big surprise, we still aren't sponsored. How is that happening? <laughs> I don't know. I did have an inquiry from someone on the fourth floor, the sales floor, who talked to me about a potential uh, movement in that area. Where it goes from here? I'm sure right into the dumpster, but um, that <laughs> there at least was a a discussion was had. I'm just here for free sandwiches. That's it. Uh, are you? Yep. That, just, that would be enough to keep me doing this podcast for another four years. Free sandwiches. Hmm. Uh, I have no. Well, I. You know what? I have a bunch of those uncrustables in my freezer. Okay. <laughs> you one. I'm happy to give proud sponsorship to Jersey Mike's, man. The best sandwiches in this block of ten. <laughs> there you go. I'll bring you one of my Uncrustables next week. Uh, a couple of episodes ago, we mentioned the college girl who fell off the cruise ship because she was trying to take a selfie. And she was you know, up there on the balcony, and you know, down she goes. Well, she was rescued. She's just fine. But it shows that selfies can be dangerous. I saw a bunch of people taking selfies at the train station when I was up in Glenwood Springs and around Union Station going for that little train trip. Even while the train was moving, people are taking selfies right next to the train while it's moving. Obviously, that could be dangerous, especially in highly populated stations. So to keep people safe in India, because those stations are really crowded, at some of their stations, they're actually going to set up designated selfie areas. This could be like the new Kodak moment area. Okay, okay. Uh, or per- perfect picture spot that you might see when you're out sightseeing. Selfie so, spot. Here's what I would say about Union Station specifically, is that if you're taking a selfie at the train, you have a problem. 
like the place to take a selfie at Union Station is in front of the building with yes. the big sign in the background that everybody knows and yep. everybody's seen before. It is iconic Denver. If you get up to the A-Line train, which is like literally just a silver bullet on wheels, and you're taking a selfie with that, nobody wants to see that. Keep that one to yourself. I'm just, I'm just concerned for humanity right now because this is what the world has come to. We've had to put up designated selfie spots so we all don't get killed. Look, I support the designated selfie spot because you figure it's like a red carpet, right? Like you're putting up the perfect background that really gets to symbolize this portion of India. And I can just take one picture and get all of India in that one picture I'm in. Well, it's like when I was over at the uh, convention center for the auto show, they had a couple of designated selfie spots so you can take a picture with a bear. The big blue bear. There you go. Outside the convention center. The problem with doing that at the auto show is that the purpose of going to the auto show is sticking your head in a picture with like every fancy car that you run into. (laughs) So having a designated selfie area is like defeats the purpose. So from the mailbag, we get this letter from James Harden, who lives here in Denver. James says, I am requesting something for all Denver residents. Is it possible to make a comment during every traffic update that reminds everybody that all federally funded interstates freeways, etc., no matter what state you're in, the law is, if you're not passing, stay out of the left lane. It is a passing lane, in all caps, exclamation point. It's not just to cruise along with all the other traffic in the other lane. So remember, if you're not passing, stay out of the left lane, please, exclamation point. These people cause more accidents from everybody getting frustrated and punching it to go around and end up crashing or getting crashed into. I have never seen anything like this attitude in Denver where they cruise in the left lane and if you get on their ass, they sling you the bird, still refusing to get out of the way and go cruise in the right lane. They have some warped problem with feeling like they're entitled to cruise in that left lane that the law says it's a passing lane only. If you need help with your legal citations, please let me know, and I would be happy to provide them for your reporting convenience. That from James Harden in Denver. He's working for you. He is. <laughs> well, James, that is a complaint we get a lot here at the old Driving You Crazy podcast. It's, it's a complaint I hear more often than any other during my Friday Facebook Live broadcast that I do on the Denver 7 Facebook page. People who like to go really fast in that left lane, and they get really, 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 I could say really about a thousand times, get really bugged when there's someone over there in that left lane going slower than the fast person wants to go. They're camped out there in the left lane, and that's, that's, that's what makes the frustration. Now, Colorado's left lane law states that a person shall not drive a motor vehicle in the passing lane of a highway if the speed limit is 65 miles an hour per hour or more unless such person is passing other motor vehicles that are in a non-passing lane or turning left or unless the volume of traffic does not permit the motor vehicle to safely merge into a non-passing lane. Now, let me highlight the main problem in that law for Denver drivers. It says where the speed limit is 65 miles an hour. Now, much of Metro Denver around the core has a speed limit of less than 65 miles an hour. So that law does not really apply like it it does outside of Metro Denver. Right. I I, want to know if the same people who want this stricter enforcement, first of all, of drivers who are camped out in the left lane, embrace that same enforcement of drivers going well over the speed limit in the left lane. If it would be okay for them to see more police 
pulling drivers over for going 75, 80 in the left lane. Mm -hmm. But at least it's open. <laughs> right? Go ahead. To them, it isn't okay to drive slowly in the left lane, but it's okay to drive very fast in the left lane. I I'm not saying we all need to strictly drive the speed limit on the interstates, but that seems very interesting to me, that, that difference of get out of the left lane because you're driving too slow because I want to drive well over the speed limit. Correct. Like, get out of the left lane if you're going to be driving safely because it's for reckless people. Exactly. Now, I heard from one person who wants the Colorado Department of Transportation to remind drivers of this left lane law by posting it on the overhead signs. That might be, I would say, a good way to start. We could see how it helps. I also saw a funny comment from someone who says, I always block the left-hand lane to ensure safety. I have an entire team of drivers who have been trained to do this all around the country. Our mission is to create safe driving, slow driving, and road rage. We are winning this battle of the lanes, and every day we recruit new members. It's an underground movement, and soon no lane will be free to pass in. Our agenda is slowing yours down. Very tongue-in-cheek. Do we think they're telling the truth? No, I, I think that's a... Uh, I'm willing to believe that conspiracy theory. <laughs> that I, is, I, you could convince me that that's true. No, I think that's that's just a very uh, good writer with uh, a funny comment there. Um, I have read other comments from people who uh, say that they don't like the left lane law because this one person said he was pulled over, and while the trooper didn't give him a ticket, he was angered by the officer's condescending tone. And this guy basically was saying, once you incentivize law enforcement to go after people in the left lane, it's a pretext to pulling people over for no reason. What do you mean no reason? Obviously, there's a reason. You're driving slowly in the left lane. That's the reason you were pulled over. But I think what this person is thinking is, I'm going the speed limit. There are all these lanes. I, it's, I can go in any lane I want and drive the speed limit. And yet, the trooper is pulling me over, and then I am now subject to his or her uh, tone, questions, right? writing a ticket, looking in my vehicle, privacy, all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's unfortunate that you can't set a different speed limit for every lane, right? Yeah, it is. You maybe, maybe that's coming. Maybe it is. Uh, but, but really, if you're in the left lane and you're going slow and you get pulled over, hey, you can get a ticket. That's the way it is. Well, I, I, you, I do kind of wish it happened more often, man. I understand the complaint. And I don't think it's drivers who are doing 65 in the left lane. I think we're talking about drivers who are doing 55 in the left lane and acting like that's acceptable when it's not. Like, no. there are people who are trying to go faster than that. You need to get out of the way. But there are still, most of the time, and I, I, I do see this, and I, I experienced this over the weekend. I'm driving down the highway, and somebody in the – I'm in the left lane, and I'm going a touch over the speed limit. There is somebody in the right lane that is going the speed limit. Somebody I'm coming up on going the speed limit, and there was honestly almost no way for me to get around these drivers. And so I'm, I'm there. I'm just stuck. And it's frustrating because uh, I was in a bit of a hurry, and it was my fault for, for having to – maybe speed um and, and try to <laughs> and i blame myself i blame myself it say. was my fault i was a little bit late i was running a little bit late and i wanted to wanted to get there a little bit faster but it, it, it was frustrating and i could see how some people who do this all the time who habitually speed and like to be in the left lane and go a million miles an hour i can see that frustration level building in them and then they will tailgate and then they'll flash their lights or might honk their horn or give you the number one sign or whatever the case may be but it is 
it, it is it is frustrating to be behind somebody if you want to pass. Well, and I think 80% of these people will just speed past, right? Like They'll just wait for an opening. They'll get around the guy. And right. Well, no harm, no foul. Uh, but to your point, there are the 10% of times where it leads to legitimate aggression and unsafe driving. And, you know, that really is a problem. And if we can cut down on that, I think we've had success. Exactly. And I think that's what the State Patrol would say as well. But I'd also like to have them answer that question that I had earlier about is it okay to pull some, get somebody going the speed limit out of the left lane, but it's okay for somebody to go 10 or 15 miles an hour over in the left lane. Right. So what do you think is the biggest cost when it comes to owning a vehicle? Depreciation. That's a large cost, yes. Except for a full engine replacement or getting those racing stripes put on the side of your car. Parking is typically the largest single expense for vehicle owners. This is fascinating. This is according to a study that uh, was released by the traffic and data flow company, Inrix. Usually we hear about Inrix when they're talking about uh, flow on a highway. You'll see a lot of uh, TV stations use the Inrix data. We use total traffics and um, TomTom's flow data. But in Ricks, they do a lot of this stuff. They also come out with the congestion study every year with which cities are ranked as the most and least congested. Well, the reason Inrix released this news, I think, first of all, is they wanted to promote their real-time service that predicts the availability of on-street parking. Let's get that out of the way first. Yay. So that way get, they get news people to talk about it. Well, anyway, they say the average U.S. driver paid about $10,288 in total driving costs in 2017. And about a third of that money, about $3,000, was spent for a combination of parking fees and fines, driving around looking for parking, or paying for more parking time than is necessary. Does that, does that sound right to you? Well, I think they're lumping in the driving around looking for parking and paying for more parking time than necessary as being two costs that really aren't that big of a deal. I agree. I, I mean, I'm comparing it. Our apartment building charges $70 for a parking spot, right? So you figure over the course of that here, that's pretty close to, uh, of a year, that's close to $800. $840. Yeah. That's not that much. That's nowhere near 3000 so. No, but you also, not only that, but maybe parking downtown, and then you're parking in uh, uh, other other places, I guess, that you're taking your car. Um, whatever the case may be, I just I feel like that number should be maybe half of what it is. Yeah, it, it seems it se- does seem a little bit high. Now the the, the other two thirds, they say, Inric says, of driving costs were direct expenses such as the amount of buying or leasing your vehicle, depreciation, maintenance, fuel, and insurance. Now the hardest hit people, the study says, were the vehicle owners and other drivers in major urban centers, led by those in New York City. Hearing that news, one metro area traffic anchor said, (laughs) I'm sure parking in Oklahoma is a lot less than parking in, let's say, Atlanta. Right. Here's an entire cornfield. Take your pick, sir. Again, that that quote from the uh, one metro area traffic anchor, New York City drivers faced about $8,700 in parking-related expenses in 2017, Average drivers in New York City parked more often, 10 times a week, paid more frequently for parking, 60% of the time, and paid the most, $28 for two hours of off-street parking, citywide. Drivers in Detroit fared the best. 
with $1,700 in direct and indirect parking costs, largely due to lower cost on-street and off-street parking rates. In Dallas, drivers had a total that included $1,900 in parking costs. Last year, Inrix has studied that showed drivers spent on average about 17 hours a year searching for parking spots. That's so accurate. I would think most of that is during around the Christmas shopping season. Right. Um, that reminds me of a story, though. Joseph reminds me of a story. The other day, I'm running over to the bank here in downtown. I'm looking for a street, a spot on the street. Here's my stupid thinking: that I can't just go through the drive-through over here at 17th and Grand at the at the Wells Fargo, uh-huh. because I wanted I needed some of those check register things. The ones you 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 actually writing in writing what checks you're writing. Correct. I needed one of those, a couple of those things, and I also needed to deposit a check. I probably could have easily done that in the drive-through lanes. But I decided, because I, I, I like going into the bank, I decided I was going to park, find a little spot right there in front of the bank, run in, run out. Oh. Found a spot right there in front of the bank, and I didn't, I was honestly going to be in there for three minutes. I didn't even, I, I have the change in the middle of my uh, in, in my dash right in my car, so I could have just put a quarter into the, the machine. I didn't even look to see if the machine had any time on it. Run into the bank, three minutes, deposit the check, get my little check register things. Nice interaction with the uh, with the bank teller. Saw a really interesting gentleman. Almost looked like he was a stitch out of time. Huh. Like he was like 1850s or something in there. Uh, did he have a monocle? Oh no, but he did have a pocket watch. Um, and so I come out and I and I get over to the car and I see that familiar yellow folded envelope sticking out of the side of my door. And I go and I go. Seriously, did I just get a ticket right now after being in the bank for? for not kidding three minutes and i look behind me down grant and there's the jeep there's the jeep four cars up writing tickets and they got me i said honestly i could have done any you could have paid you could have paid for parking i could have paid for parking thanks (laughs) like you could have just paid for the spot and avoided all this yes you're exactly right instead of paying 25 cents I had to pay $25. Listen, man, this city has to make money somehow. And that's what I chalked it up to as a donation to the city of Denver, the city I love, the city by the bay, the windy city. I wanted to give my city $25 for better city stuff. The city by the bay? Sure. No? (laughs) There it is. There's my story. The city of Denver thanks you. I'll bet. Um, honestly, it was so frustrating. That's one of those stupid tax things, as Dave Ramsey says. Yes, sir. Stupid tax. Literally, 45 seconds earlier, 45 seconds, and I wouldn't have had that ticket. You could have paid it for it. <laughs> I know. It's my fault. It's my fault. But unlike photo radar tickets, uh, the, I paid this one because it because they'll boot your car. They, they right. won't go away. This is a person writing you a ticket, and it's it's definitely not going away. I didn't realize that Jeep was the ticket writing Jeep. That Jeep is parked at King Supers all the time. Oh yeah, and they drive on the and so the the steering wheel is like it is if you were driving in England on the right side and the passenger our passenger side. Uh, okay. So I wonder how that driver then has to go into his personal vehicle and then figure that all out and then get to work and then drive on the <laughs> with the steering wheel and everything on the other side of the. Uh, the car. Have you ever wondered what the top 10 airlines are as ranked by TripAdvisor? Uh, daily. Uh, do, have you? Yeah. yeah. Well, if you haven't, they did it anyway. 
and here right now because you needed to have this list. I have the list right here. TripAdvisor needs to be paying us for this. You're not kidding. So number 10, Korean Air. One traveler said, what a wonderful experience. Everything on this plane was great. The staff, the food, the seats, wide, reclining, and clean. Made the trip really enjoyable. Number nine, Azul Airlines. No, sir, never heard of it. Never heard of it. I bet it's blue, though. Um, I believe it's Brazilian. Very insightful stuff there. Good stuff. Uh, number eight, Qatar Airlines. Uh, travelers say they have the greatest in-air experience. Truly the best service you will ever experience in the air. Top-class planes with even better service. Travel with ease and rest in the sky, knowing your every need will be met beyond expectations. I think that comes at a cost, though. That is a glowing recommendation. Number seven, Jet2U.com. Never heard of them, so I had to look them up. Apparently, they're a discount airline in the UK. They fly basically all around Europe. They do fly to Newark um, from the UK. The perfect jumping off point for America. (laughs) Newark, (laughs) New Jersey. That's the only spot they fly to in or out of the United States. And then they go there to the UK, and then from there you can connect anywhere in Europe, and it's pretty inexpensive. And apparently they they do a pretty nice job uh, of flying around Europe. Okay. Number six, Southwest Airlines. They're the only U.S.-based airline on this top ten list. I like Southwest. I don't like having to go in and not have a seat assigned. You're not a fan of the free-for-all. No, I'm not. I support the free-for-all, man. Really? We've had this conversation. Well, I know, but it's it's harder for me because I usually have my family with me, so I need to get four seats, and it's usually in the farther back of the plane, and my wife hates sitting in the back of the plane. She hates it. I don't know why. She just gets nuts about it. She doesn't want to sit in the back of the plane. Never said a bad word about your wife. That's such a juvenile thing to get upset about. She does. <laughs> I don't sitting in the she always the wants plane. to sit in the front. And I always tell her, no, I'm never going to sit in the very, very front because the very front, you're at the bulkhead and it's flat. There's no room for my big old legs. Right. And then you can't put the bag up there. So I always want to be at least one back. But she likes. And then now that all the airlines are charging for the seats up front, like Frontier, yep. that's great. We're always in the middle. It's fine. Um, that and, and So it's less expensive back there. And. It's okay with me. I think it's always safer to be right over the wing. I always, I'm just saying, the free for all is fantastic, especially for like a one or two. And I thought you could go in on family boarding if you had a group. You with can, you. but you have to have younger kids than what I have now. So since I have a six and nine year old, since I'm not really uh, toting strollers or babies down the uh, jet jetway, it's uh, it, it's I'm not I don't really count now in the family boarding. Is that? For real, like there's yeah. an age limit on when you can claim family. Usually, boarding. it's the kids that have that need the extra assistance. They're toddlers in the um, in the strollers, that sort of thing. So basically, if your kid can be in a stroller, then you can get down there. If your kids are are like mine, where they look like they're gigantors, no, I'm I'm with everybody else. <laughs> I've lost my family privileges. That's terrible. Number five, Eva Air. They are a Taiwanese airline flying mostly in Southeast Asia. Many travelers say they are an impeccable airline providing impeccable service from start to finish. The flight attendants are always available to serve, very pleasant, and there when you need them. The airplane itself is clean and very comfortable. Oh, perfect. Number four, Japan Airlines. I, I've heard good things about Japan Airlines. Um, never flown them, but... I, I hear they do a lot of work in Japan. And- <laughs> Emirates Air at number three. I've heard very good things about Emirates as well. 
but I've also heard they're very expensive. Emirates sponsors a lot of things. You see Emirates on a lot of soccer jerseys. I yes, feel like. exactly. And if they're able to spend money on soccer jerseys, they're probably paying. You're probably paying a little bit extra in your airfare to be able to have uh, let them spend all that money on marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, Air New Zealand. Travelers say excellent service still exists in flying, and other carriers could take a lesson in customer service excellence, as was experienced with Air New Zealand. Well, the beauty about flying with Air New Zealand is that you get to be in New Zealand, <laughs> like which is one of the most beautiful countries on this planet. That is a place I definitely want to go. And the number one airline in the world, as rated by TripAdvisor, Singapore Airlines. Yay. Travelers say simply the best, best crew, best in-flight meals, best entertainment, best customer service, always courteous and helpful, nothing is too much trouble, and reasonable fares. I only fly Singapore Airlines. I tried the rest. I stay with the best. Other airplanes, please take notice. Hmm. I wonder how these top airlines would do if they started doing more flights, just domestic flights for the United States market, city to city, instead of these big, old, long-haul international flights where they have all the accoutrements. Well, I mean, that is coming, right? As consolidation hits more and more of these industries, you have to think that the airplane and the airline industry is going to be on the list where you see a lot of these global type mergers and these companies where you have like probably a good 200, 300 carriers of importance in the world right now. That number could go down to 15 in a hurry. Apparently, Kamanawanalea Airlines that flies in and out typically of Hawaii didn't make the list. Kamanawanalea. Ah. The legendary Kamanawanalea Airlines. Surprising it didn't make the list. Just booked a flight with them. Did you? Uh, <laughs> sure did. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's about it, Joseph. That's what we have for today's podcast episode. I thought, I thought it was a very good, very good informative program today. Knocked it out of the park, so to speak. So, so to speak, yes, because we are full into baseball season right now. Yes. Love it. Uh, especially when you have your first game for the Rockies, almost get snowed out. I mean, that's not the last snowstorm we're going to see when the Rockies are in town. I'm calling it now. We'll see you in a few weeks. <laughs> there you go. Well, thanks again, always, for uh, being here, for listening, and checking out the podcast. Until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. I'm Kamana Wanalea Airlines advocate, Joseph Peters. Be safe, and all, as always, happy motoring. Happy motoring.